computers. This is Intelligent Performance. Welcome to Intelligent Performance, where we are fanatical about excellence in human endeavor. And today we're talking about strategy, about getting a new job. Now, for most people, getting a new job can be a lousy experience. In fact, it can be such an off-putting experience that most people stay in the one they've got. But what if you could stack the odds in your favor? How could you actually end up in a position with multiple offers so you can negotiate and put you in a position of power? Well, enter Annie Yang, a specialist in this area and the author of The Five Day Job Hunt. We're going to go into exactly what it takes to stack the odds in your favor, how you can dominate an interview, and how you can actually end up in a position where you can negotiate for the conditions that you want, rather than having to put up with what is on offer originally. Let's dive straight in. Annie, thanks so much for being here. Good to have you on and coming all the way in from Boston. Where I'd love to start is to actually touch on what does intelligent performance mean to you when it comes to this kind of five-day job search? Well, to me, intelligent performance is more about being strategic in your job search, like focusing your time on the things that actually make a difference. So what's funny is I've never actually shared this story with many people. You're the first host that I'm sharing this with. Um, When I was hiring for an employee to help me with my business, I asked them this question that you cannot find the answer to on Google. And the question is, Tell me about the three hardest problems that you have ever experienced in your life Mm. and tell me how you went about solving it. So this is a trick question because like I'm not looking for a textbook answer. I'm trying to figure out how people approach their problem solving and how they do critical thinking. Right. And the thing is, 80 percent of the responses I got back from people were the hardest problem I have ever faced in my entire life is looking for a job. So mm. here I am, I'm unemployed or I, you know, I just got laid off, fired, mm. especially during the pandemic. Mm. And uh, the hardest thing is finding a job um, and getting a job. Right. And yeah. I, I figured, oh, my gosh, how can like 80 percent of the people who, who applied, they don't know how to get a job quickly, how to get a great job. Um, and I know what the secrets are, what the proven methods are and. I think people need to focus on these specific things that I want to share with you on today's show. So just tell me, I love this because you're right. I think a lot of people, like it's so easy, quote unquote, to apply for a job now. So LinkedIn, if you're on there, you know, that one click or a couple of clicks and you are done. Like you have an application away. Now, the question is, is that application any good? And then I've also been on the other side of when you're hiring people, you're on, you're using these technology platforms. And it's a bloody nightmare to figure out who's good and who's not. Like they give you some really random outcomes, you know, sometimes like relevance of, you know, current job title. Sometimes that's completely irrelevant. Um, and it can be really tricky from the other, the hirer's perspective to actually figure out who who's the best candidate anyway. And uh, let alone if you're filtering through like 40, 50 people, maybe 100 sometimes. So I'm filtering uh, through 300. Oh, uh, yeah. 100. Wow. And I swear, if I took the name off the top, if I took their name, phone number, address, everything off the top, and I only looked at everything below that, I cannot tell the difference between this person and that person because it's just yeah. like, okay, everyone says I have this many years of experience in this skill. I'm also qualified because I got an education from this university with this major. And yeah. it's, it's just like all kind of blended in. And <laughs> can't you're... Tell. 
Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's not easy on the hire perspective, and then there's a lot of pressure on the hire person to either you know time recruiting is just generally really a frustrating experience um, from the from the hire's perspective. Um, so let's dive into then in terms of kind of strategy. Let's let's imagine you're an accountant, and we're going to come back to in a minute how the hell you got an accounting job without actually having an accounting degree, which I kind of speaks to your methodology, I think. So let's talk about, let's say you're an accountant, you are mid-career, you're let's say you're uh, early 30s, and you are interested about climbing the corporate ladder, or you're trying to move into something else. How should they be thinking about the strategy behind the actual job move or, or kind of job identification piece? It's really important to figure out what's the next title you go after. What's the title you actually want 10 to 20 years from now? Like right. you're an accountant. Do you just want to end up becoming a director of some department or do you want to be a CFO? Like first think about further down the line where you want to end up rather than just willy nilly like applying to any accounting job out there. Because if you don't actually think about what is that 10 years from now goal you're trying to reach, you're going to end up working a job where you go sideways. Someone just yeah. told me yesterday that's called a lattice um, rather than going vertically <laughs> up the ladder. <laughs> um, <laughs> So here's the secret on how to figure out exactly what is the career track, like which promotions along the way, which titles to target in your job search to be 10 to 20 years from now, you'll actually hit it. So, for example, someone came to me and he told me he's working as a front desk agent at a hotel. And I asked him, well, what do you want to do for your career? You're 28 years old. You know, you're not going to be there forever. This is like a... It could be dead end if he wants to keep working there, right? Or he could move up um, or he could move out of the industry entirely. And he said, I want to be a hotel manager. How do I do that? I said, very simple. You know, this is one hour of research. What you do is you go on LinkedIn, you get LinkedIn premium, which is free for 30 days. So take advantage of that. And then you do an advanced search for the words hotel manager, whoever currently has that title in their bio. And um, you open up like more than 20 profiles in a brand new tab and you copy and paste all of their previous job titles into like an Excel sheet or whatever. And you mm. analyze how these people got to where they were, like especially if someone started off working at the front desk. Mm. How did they go up? And, and I've anal I did this homework for him, actually. I was the one doing that research. And I saw that actually some of the people were very efficient in their method, like they, yep. they did it in four promotions, right? But some people took 10 because right. they went sideways along the way, right? And instead of going straight up. So that's the secret. It's to first figure out what is the track? Like what are the titles along the way to get to the final destination? I love that. It's such a kind of obvious but not obvious step to do, to do the research from that regard. So, okay. So you're the accountant. You've just checked out that you want to be a partner, let's say. And you're yeah you met your early thirties, and you're thinking about okay I've got I've worked out that I've just kind of got to move up and whatever the typical chain might look like. So that sounds like it's a pretty similar or vanilla way for a, for an accountant. The five day part, the speed part, which you're bringing into this, that seems to be the big differentiator because this this can normally take ages, right? Finding, securing, let alone like the interview process can take five days, let alone actually getting the getting the role in that period. So what are you doing to kind of really accelerate that process once they've kind of identified the role? The average person 
take six months to land a job offer. Wow. That is the statistic. So I didn't know that because I kept landing jobs in less than a week. I thought that was normal. Yeah. (laughs) Like that was a normal experience for me. So I thought, oh, everybody (laughs) must be landing jobs in one to two weeks. And then I read the stat that the average person takes six months. Yeah. What am I doing differently? Well, um, I, I asked a few people after I wrote this book, how many jobs were they applying to per day? And they told me they were applying to not even 10. Right. Like they said, it's a lot of work to apply to 10 to 15 jobs a day, Annie. And I'm here applying to 50. So oh, yeah. you apply to 50 times that by seven for seven yep. days. You've applied to 350. Yep. And uh, other people, you go on Reddit, read about people complaining about how long their job search is taking. Um, some people respond with a comment like, well, how many are you applying to, buddy? And they go, two. I apply to two jobs a day. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, maybe you're not applying to enough. You know, yeah. you got to go big or go home to get quick results. Mm. Interesting. So, okay, well, that. That is a lot. I, 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 and so, and then the question I would, the obvious pushback, I, I, I'm in the similar camp with you. When I've been through this process myself, my typical numbers are if you don't apply for 20, I don't get a response unless I apply for 20. And then I need to apply, I need to get five responses to get one job offer. It's typically how I worked, how the numbers worked. So it was 20, apply, get one response. So I need to do at least 100. That would get me five responses that might get me one job offer. And not to say it's any good. Because of interview rate as well. If you get five sure. interviews, then out of the five interviews, you might get one offer. What? Well, I'm not saying. Interview success rate? No, I'd, I'd even say so there's like five responses. Then you go through and like I did this process fairly recently and like one was a, like a scam. And you're like, okay, so this, it's like a commission only sales thing. Okay, cool. Can that. And so then you feel it. So you might end up with maybe two interviews from that or three interviews. And then you, then you end up with one down the track, especially if you're going through a recruiter process. So for you, were you finding similar or what kind of outcomes are you getting for 50 applications? How are you finding that? Oh, I had lots of people calling me already in that week. Well, that's why I got an offer, right? But already like the second day, my third job search, which is the job I have now, and the reason why I can call it the five-day job search because I landed that offer in only five days, is I started applying on Monday night. 7 a.m. Tuesday morning, I wake up, roll over, get my iPhone to check my emails. And there I see an email requesting for an interview that Thursday. So, I mean, I was getting offers like left and right, like multiple interviews requests for them. Uh, Lots of recruiters were calling me throughout the day like, we're really excited. We want to like push you to to um, client, you know? So uh, that's kind of what it looked like for me. My friend also followed my system recently, also an accountant, but this system works for even non-accountants, come on. Um, She lined up in 10 days. She she had a 10-day job search. She lined up five interviews for the same day. And then the next day, she already got a written offer. I don't know how many offers she got out of the five, but I know for sure she got multiple. Um, but the happiest thing is like she got the offer for sure from the one she really wanted. Oh yeah. And so okay, great. So the volume volume's definitely working in your favor, right? In terms of fifty, three hundred and fifty a week. Amazing. Now, just on that piece, are you doing the full cover letter? Are you doing the, the resume? How are you what's the actual we broke it down? Like what are you how are you how are you doing such a volume? 
I do not do cover letters. I have never applied for a job with a cover letter. And I, I read a lot of advice online saying you should put a cover letter in to stand out. Yeah. Um, but my personal opinion is if I were someone hiring, I'd throw the cover letter away because someone's trying to speak to me personally and customize it for me. But if they don't actually understand what problems I'm struggling with in my business, how can they actually personalize it? The way you personalize it is you actually find out what the business is struggling with and say, I can solve your problem. Because in the end, it's not like I just want to hire someone smart. I want to hire someone who can solve my problem. Like, for example, what's my problem right now? If someone could tell me how I can get on Jordan Peterson's show or get on Joe Rogan or Marie Forleo or Ben Shapiro, like if someone came up to me and said, I can solve that problem for you. I'd pay any price. Mm. You know, I don't care where that person went to school, what their experience was. If they're promising that they're going to deliver that to me, I, I open my wallet. I say, how much do you want? <laughs> you know, so employers have that kind of same mindset. Like you're promising me that you can increase my sales by 15% in a year. Okay, we're going to go with you, right? But if you as a job seeker, you don't know what that problem is. You can't customize the cover letter. So that's why I just took it out. Um, so what I do, though, is I do write a highly targeted resume for that title I'm going after. So, uh, for example, like that's why earlier I said it's really important to know what is the title you're applying for, because while I'm not customizing each resume for each employer, I am writing a highly targeted resume for the title. And for most jobs out there, for um, that specific title in that specific industry, a lot of the employers are looking for the same kind of qualities and experience, skill set from from their ideal candidate. You know, like I was helping my sister. She just finished college. I, I asked her what kind of job she wants, what she's interested in. She's like, I don't know. I like working with animals. And um, we settled on like animal rescue worker or something like that. I said, OK, that's what we're targeting as the first one. If you don't like that job, it's okay, but we need to target a title, right? And after reading through so many, one of the things that was very clearly like so important to all of the employers was you must be willing to work a flexible schedule and you must be willing to work weekends. Like that is a a like total deal. Don't negotiable. Can't. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So like it you, you have to find out what is that pattern. Yeah. Like Love that. across all employers, not just one employer. Yeah, I love that. Okay. And just on that example, so then you're building your resume around those kind of key pay points, which you you know, and yeah. more often than not, are going to be there for... Yeah. I had already analyzed. Well in advance, I had already analyzed what were the pain points that business owners had for hiring an accountant or a bookkeeper. Like I, I went on Reddit, I went on um, biggerpockets.com, I searched mm -hmm. the words accountant in those forums, and I'm here reading about all the complaints that people had about their accountant, whether it's like missing a deadline or being inaccurate in their work, being sloppy, being unresponsive. Um, so it's like these these little things about you that <laughs> as an accountant that bother the person yeah. hiring you, the business, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So like I when I go into an interview, I'm speaking to them like, well, I'm definitely going to be here on time. You can definitely yep. rely on me. I won't make mistakes. I pay attention to every penny. I, I even like specifically come up with a story to showcase an example of how I pay attention to every penny. Like, you know, Vistaprint, 
it's a really big company. They print business cards, posters, all sorts of things for businesses. And I said, I pay attention to those pennies to the point where like, I know in Massachusetts state law, you're not allowed to charge sales tax on the shipping. So if it's free shipping for the order, you can charge sales tax to the whole order. But if shipping is a separate line item charge, you're not allowed to charge sales tax on shipping. So even, like when my coworker hands me a receipt from Visa Print or anything, I'm calculating like, are they charging the right amount of sales tax? And I actually caught that Visa Print overcharged us by 12 cents. They were, they were charging sales tax on the shipping. And I got very upset. I had to call Visa Print to get a refund on those 12 cents. You know, so I, I'm, I'm here telling the employer like, I will fight for those 12 cents for you, you know? Wow. <laughs> I will make sure nobody rips you off in any way. <laughs> and they love it. And they close that <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. And I love that. So it's not just so there's the doing the research, then there's kind of working out your resume to target that job title. Then it's building stories around that job title. Sorry, around those kind of key proficiencies or skills or- Yeah, those pain uh, points. Yeah, okay. that they have and saying that you're the opposite, you've got the solution. <laughs> yeah. And so this is why a recruiter is calling you saying we're excited because I certainly haven't had that experience necessarily myself. Where because they, I would imagine, especially in this kind of uh, this accounting example, you're going to find people accountants who are very much just accountants first and not think, not not at all thinking about the other end of town. Also, the the person who's on the other side, right? Yeah. But another thing I th I think the big mistake is, you know, there's a lot of smart, very much qualified people out there. There are people much smarter than me, but I'm getting the opportunity only because I'm willing to share my knowledge and put it online. Like these right. days, it's really important because before we're, we're so like limited on time, even when I'm hiring and I, I want to interview someone like, let's say I've shortlisted 10 applicants, yep. but I don't have one hour to interview each that's 10 hours of my time i'm busy i at least i want to cut it down to five so of course what am i gonna do i'm gonna google their name i'm gonna look them up on linkedin what are they posting on facebook uh every employer does this these days yeah. we want to know what kind of person you are before we walk into the interview because it's just like when you're trying to go on a date with someone that you just met on tinder i mean it's too awkward if you don't really at least have a gist or some idea of who you're going on a date with that night, mm. you know, mm. uh, how is the conversation going to go? Is this, are we going to vibe together? Is there chemistry? At least you want to uh, know there's something there, yeah. right? So it's kind of like the same thing when somebody wants to offer you an interview. Okay, cool. All right, so let's let's say you've scored the, you've scored the interview. You're there now. What's, how are you kind of weighing it up like what are you looking for what are the clues you're now looking to personalize so you've got this resume obviously it's resonated with them obviously they wouldn't have kind of had you come in what are some of the strategies in place now that, that you're deploying to kind of ex again have you stand out so much from even someone with superior experience i mean that more of a longer a longer tenure perhaps or even coming from a similar role someone who's perhaps doing a what did you call it a lattice step is that right yeah a lattice. that's what someone told oh. me Got a lattice. We'll go. We'll go with that. So, what if there's someone who's doing a lattice and then they're doing a sideways step, and you're trying to do a step up? So maybe they've got five years' experience in this role. How are you navigating that process? Well, I, I, I believe it's a two-step thing, right? First step is communication is very much ninety percent nonverbal. I think ten percent is what you actually say, but the other is your body language and your vocal variety. 
right? So I, I actually spent years practicing that and training that. So I did uh, Toastmasters for two years. So for two years, I gave a speech every two weeks. And in the weeks when I wasn't giving a speech, I was either coaching someone on how to do public speaking or I was participating in a meeting and doing table topics, which is when you're called to go up to the front of the room, you shake the person's hand and they just ask you a totally random question and you have to answer for one to two minutes off the cuff in front of everybody. Um, it's not necessarily about what you say, but um, whether you can come up with an answer on the spot and mm. also do it while looking you're confident, right? So I, I practiced that every week for two years to be wow. able to, to interview well. So that's like the actual like, I guess, um, the wrapping around the present, but what yep. about the present inside? <laughs> mm. <laughs> what about the actual content? Is it substantial? Um, so for that part is I do a lot of research on the company. Whatever I can find, I will go on here in Massachusetts, uh, I will go on the Massachusetts corporate database. So I'm I'm sure there's something like that in Australia or any other state. Smell, yeah. you, can, you can look up any registered business, like when was it registered? Who is the owner? Um, is there an actual board or is it just like one owner of a small business? Like you can find that information. It's public. I, I do that. Um, the other thing is like I look on all of their social media. Is it non-existent or do they actually have a thriving page, right? Uh, then I check out their website, of course, like who are they serving? What's your customer? Um, what do you sell to your customer? How do you price your products or services to your customer? Different things like that. Uh, and then I also read reviews, customer reviews of what people have th think of that company. Um, so, but <laughs> I love how expensive. And no, I think also <laughs> news. news. If it's a big company, they'll also have news. Like if you're trying to go yeah. for Google or Facebook, sure. they're in the news. You should also be up to date with what's the latest development for those big companies, according to local news and, and national news as well. Um, so so I, I really, really go in depth for the interview, but only if I get that interview scheduled, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow is the answer I have <laughs> in terms of, that that's an extraordinary level of detail, and, I, and I'm just thinking on the other side here. As when I've hired people, if people have come in with that level of preparation, they know what's going on. They've they've taken an effort to to even think about who we're trying to serve and what we're trying to do. It just shows even that alone. Even if they are useless or maybe don't have the skills we're looking for, just that kind of attitude is where you're demonstrating your your capability. So. For, for you, when you're in that interview, are you looking to highlight that research then? Are you, are you coming with like, yes, notes? Yes. Are you coming I with walk in with all the notes that I've typed up, all the research I've typed up. I walk in there with a folder, actually. So I, okay. in this folder, I, I put like five copies of my resume because I don't know how many people are interviewing me. So I always yeah. print multiple of the same one just in case it's like two people interviewing me or somebody walks in and says, hi, nice to meet you. Oh, can I get a copy of your resume too? So I, I do that just in case. Um, 
Another thing is I print out that research that I've done, like what year, who you're serving, all that stuff. But I also print out a list of my own questions based on that research. So it's not like this generic list of questions. I'm here saying like, hey, so I noticed on your social media profile, like your last post was in 2020. That was two years ago. How come you haven't posted anything on Instagram since then? Are you guys not focused on trying to grow your revenue by doing some online marketing? Or like I see on Google reviews right now, You've got a whole string of like 10 one-star reviews. People very angry that they didn't get their security deposit back. Uh, I'll be very honest. I want to give you an opportunity to defend yourself. I don't want to view you in a negative light. But I personally, I want to work for a company that has a great reputation because that reflects on me as well for my next search. Yeah. Right. So uh, I want to vet you and make sure <laughs> you aren't like... Um, a great company. So can you defend yourself in this way? Like, why Why are you getting one-star reviews? How can we make sure that doesn't happen to you ever again, right? Um, so I, yeah, I, I'll even point out the negatives that people have said about the company. And if you're hiring an accountant and they're talking to you about their online marketing presence, like <laughs> that would strike me as an employer might be a bit taken aback. Do you, do you find that? Do you find that, that what's the reception when you start to go, let's say, outside of the box here from from what you might? They they may think you know, they're hot. Yeah, actually, depending on their reaction, if it's like a bad reaction, like they're not into that, I don't want to work there because I'm the kind of person. My attitude toward work is I want to take ownership. So even if I don't own the company, I yeah. come with this mindset like you have to act like you own the company. You have to be responsible for the company. Like, um, whatever is best for the company is best for you, because if you can help the company earn money or save money then you have what it takes to ask for a huge race or for whatever benefit you're looking for. So I always came with that mindset. Um, so if an employer already in the interview is like, what's she going on about? You know, we're like, yeah, 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 that sounds nice. Like without that same kind of passion, I, yeah. I kind of like walk away. I'm like, yeah, we're not a good fit. Sorry. Okay, cool. I love that. That's a really powerful attitude to take in this. And, and I guess, how do you think about this interview process, a lot of people, a lot of job seekers, especially if it's taken them six months, they're often in kind of desperado mode by that point. And they'll just take anything or something like that. So what's the attitude you kind of recommend taking? Is it behave like you're the business owner? Is it, is it that? Is it more like how can you, are you a servant to the business owner? How, how do you kind of navigate the not being too confident, maybe being not being lacking in confidence? How do you approach that? Yeah, yeah. I have a, I actually talk about this in the interview section of my book, The Five Day Job Search, sure. on how to have the right attitude, how to come in with the right energy. I, I would say because landing a job is more about your energy. You're qualified. Like by the time you're, you're entering into the interview, you're already qualified based on your resume. You have the experience, you have the skills, otherwise they wouldn't be calling you. So yep. when you walk in, it's really more about like, can we get along with you? Do we like your personality? It's kind of like, do, will you mesh with the other people in your team? Do you have personality issues? Are you rude? You know, it's that kind of thing. So when I walk in, I, I know this, right? So it's just about the energy. I think a lot of people, because they take six months to, to get a job, they end up having desperation in their energy. And, and that desperation is really hard to mask. Like you can put on the smile all you want. You can try to look confident by pushing your shoulders back. Yeah. But you can't hide desperation. So the one key way that I I use 
to to remove the desperation from my own energy is I say to myself, I want this job. I don't need this job. So even if I were unemployed for a couple months, right? Like, I don't need this job. I don't need to be here, you know? You know, because if 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 this doesn't work out for me, if I don't get the job and they don't like me or I don't like this, I can just keep doing exactly what I'm doing, which is mm. being unemployed, right? <laughs> now, will, will I enjoy the consequence of being unemployed? Will I enjoy the consequence of like not being able to pay my bills or to the point where I'm homeless or I live in my car or I have to get food from the, the pantry, right? Food pantry, right? Will I like those consequences? I won't, but that's a choice in itself. Like when I remind myself of this, I realize, oh, actually I have many choices. Just like maybe right now, because of all the commitments I have and all the obligations I have to my job, to my husband, to my piano teacher, everyone, right? Um, I'm booked on so many podcasts right now that I have to show up for. But in the end, that is also a choice. To to forget that we we have choice, I think is something pe- people fall into, right? Yep. I can all of a sudden decide tomorrow, you know what? I just want to end this all and I just want to buy a house up in the mountain and live a really quiet life where nobody knows me. That is a choice as well. Why, why does it seem like it's off the table? Mm. It's still on the table, right? So the choice of remaining unemployed or living at home with your parents, not being able to pay your bills, having to charge everything on a credit card is also a choice in itself. It's an equally valid choice. And when you remember that you have multiple choices, you remove that desperation and you walk in saying, I don't need to be here. I want to be here. Do I want to be with you? Do I want to work with you every day? Uh, if you have that kind of attitude, you come across as a... Yeah, I totally love that. So I'm going to flash forward to the end of the interview. Let's say you've knocked it out of the park. You've done some amazing work here in terms of... <laughs> you've talked about marketing. You've talked about growth expansion, even though they're asking you to do the accounts receivable work. <laughs> and they're like blown away that this accountant or whoever is thinking more broadly outside of their role. How are you navigating that last bit of that kind of interview process where, or the, less the interview process, the whole recruitment process where they're doing their due diligence, where they're doing the, oh, let me come back to you in two weeks, three weeks, a month's time, whatever. We've got to speak to HR, blah, 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 blah. How do you accelerate that process and, and have them go, we can't wait. We need to do this now. Ah, I, I tell them very flat out openly, hey, I've got multiple interviews lined up. Because it is true, I, I did have multiple interviews lined up. I said, so whoever gives me the offer that I want, the first one who gives me the offer that I want, I will really be considering it. And if, if you don't pick up the pace, I'm sorry, you're missing out. <laughs> might might accept someplace else, right? And, and that's exactly what I told my current boss on that Thursday, the fourth day when I was in my job search, I said, I have interviews lined up. If you're not quick, I'm sorry. You know, it's not my fault. You take your time to put an offer together. Yes. Yeah. And so he gave me on that Friday. He said, oh, don't, don't, don't worry. I'll, I'll email you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that. I love you. So a lot of what you're talking about, Annie, and I think this is where the kind of, I'm going to talk to the skeptic a moment, is that a lot of these traits you're talking about is actually about being a good employee as well. It's not, oh, really? it's, so, it's not just about getting the job right, because there's that part, there's a strategic part to it. But really about being a good employee is like realizing that, guess what? 
everyone does rely on the growth and expansion of the company. It does rely on people focusing on that. If it's just the business owner and he's having to you know, remind everyone that, hey, this doesn't just happen by magic, a lot of it is about, uh, yeah, yeah, they need to have that, those attitudes. So for you, do you think these attitudes you've developed, you were inherent, or is this kind of principles from mum and dad and your upbringing, which has kind of helped you kind of nurture this uh, approach or this, the way you do things? I would say I take a little bit from everything. So from my my dad, I got his intelligence. He was the valedictorian in his high school. And back in China in the 1970s, no one was allowed to go to university. It was banned for 10 years. Um, so my dad in his senior year, he he was the first year that could apply to go to college. So we had 10 years worth of people all trying to go to college that one year. Um, wow. And he was the only one in his whole school that got into college. So he's a very intelligent man. I would say I got his smarts for sure through yeah. genetics. My mom um, doesn't take no for an answer, but she's also like really bubbly and has a great <laughs> attitude. You know, uh, she's a salesperson naturally, even though her English isn't really good and she never got education beyond sixth grade. Uh, she she does door to door sales. You can imagine how much rejection she goes through and how many men hit on her as well, because just because she's yeah. a woman. And yeah. uh, one time a black guy hit on her and <laughs> you can't believe this. Um, he hit on her and my mom's like, ah, can we take a picture together? Let's take a selfie. They got a selfie. And then the next black guy who hit on her, she's like, ah, I'm sorry. I already have a boyfriend. See, here's the picture. Black, tall and handsome with eyes just like Obama. <laughs> so so that kind of attitude, those two traits, wow. I definitely took from my parents and brought it into workplace. But the ownership mindset and thinking about how can I add value to the employer? I actually learned this from Ramit Safi. He's the um, the owner of the site IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com and he has a book and a Netflix show now. I took his course called How to Earn 1000 on the Side. And in this course, he was teaching you how you can figure out what someone's pain points are. He said, if you can figure out what people's pain points are and you can solve it, not just promise, but actually deliver that solution, people will pay you any any amount of money. Like people will jump on you. Um, but this was about landing clients, right? But I took what he said and I was like, what if I apply this to my job? Like what if whatever problem came up for the company, whether for a future employee or for the one I was working with, you know, I I found a problem and then I just got really good at solving them. So I, I really took that ownership mindset there. Uh, another, I think, person who made a huge influence on my life was Jim Rohn. Um, he's a, a huge personal development person. He's deceased now, but I listen to his tapes over and over and over again. And one of the things that I keep repeating in my head that he said that it's not um, something about setting the sail. So it's not about the wind. Like the wind blows on everyone when you're sailing. It's about the direction in which you set your sail. That makes a difference in where you end up in your life. So mm. I, I decided, you know, if that's what makes a difference, like what I focus on, what I'm working toward and my attitude, then I will embody this from him. Yeah. I love that. It's so awesome. I, I think it, yeah, that ownership mindset, I think is really critical, right? Because if for progress in anything, if you really like, want to, you need to think like, a, if you can think like an owner, 
then the person on the other side, when it comes to that interview process, is going to start to realize, oh, wow, this person really does stand apart from the others. Because I think the opposite is so prevalent in terms of they just go in with what they want and they want this working from home. I'm not sure how you know how prevalent that is in the US, Annie, but down here, down here, yeah. And we ended up getting that benefit as well. I'm the only one in the company I work for that gets to work remotely, but only because he trusts me. He knows what kind of person I am, you know? Yeah. Well, that speaks to character, doesn't it? So, um, so yeah, I think bringing that ownership mindset allows you to stand out, but it can so often we, you come from, this is what I want. Oh, you know, what do you, you know, and it comes like a, well, I want this. Well, it becomes a negotiation or kind of a, um, who, who can give less str- approach rather than, look, we all want this. We all want to grow the business. It's how do we do that together? Um, I think it's a really, really powerful. So, I love those 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 strategies and those steps in there. Question for you: It sounds like there'll be a bias in this whole system to disciplines where there are three hundred and fifty jobs available right now in that space, and that could be accounting, legal. I'm thinking just off the top of my head, teachers, that that kind of thing. So, these kind of quote unquote traditional or almost like professional service um roles what if you're what if you're i don't know it's not you're something a bit more like your 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 friend there who's the veterinary clinic and there's only correctly there might only be like 20 roles in the whole state period like how, how do you how do you play the numbers game when there are there aren't the numbers in your favor you don't but what you can do is you can position yourself with your personal brand to look like you're an industry expert that everyone goes after. So something I talk about in this book is like, hey, if famous people, like let's say Jordan Peterson wanted to get a new job doing something, if he just said, hey, I want to get this new job and he he applied (laughs) for the job, I guarantee you he's getting that phone call immediately. He gets a call back within an hour. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you want to have like such a high status, such that like everyone's like clamoring to get you to be the first one to call you back before someone else can take you. So yeah. um, that's something you have to do and develop online. Um, it it takes a couple years to to be able to do that though, but it is doable. And how do you navigate the pushback or concern from an employer? in that space as you're developing that voice, especially if it's in your industry. Because I know um, I'm in a similar boat at the moment where to really stand out, you might, uh, it's, it's sometimes tricky to to navigate that balance between upsetting the company brand versus building your own. So how do you kind of think about that? Well, uh, but why would the company be upset? Is it because of something you're saying goes in opposition to what the company wants to portray or is simply because the company won't be happy knowing you're going after other opportunities maybe it's the latter but let's let's say it's it's you that you're an accountant let's say let's say you're yeah a typical accountant but actually you've got a real passion for makeup or something like that and oh, i was fully honest i actually had a conversation i sat my boss down uh two months ago the week after my book launch i said you gotta listen i can't work here forever you know, I will do whatever it takes to give you a really smooth transition. Tell me what you want. Do you want me to work part time and then slowly fizzle out of this company? Or do you want me to train the new person while I'm still here? What, you know, hire someone new, 
and have me train this person for two months. You know, I can give a two month notice when the time is here instead of a two week notice that people do. Like, how can I make it so easy and smooth for you so that instead of slamming the door shut behind me, how can I close this door gently so that it's not painful for you? Because I know I'm his favorite employee, right? And so how can I make it so that he's not upset, you know, basically? Um, I, I had to explain to him, I said, I need to promote this book. I have to get it into millions of people's hands. Like people are going to lose their jobs in massive layoffs. We're going to have a, a great depression coming, you know? So I said, I have to answer this calling that God gave me. And I'm sorry, I have to answer the call. I have to go on 500 podcasts, which means if if a host tells me, that this podcast has to be at 12 p.m. in the middle of a normal work day when I'm supposed to be working for you, I'm taking that slot. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I'm honest with him. I told him Love we're it. getting on 500. I'm gonna be doing two to four podcasts per day. I will be doing my job, but since I work remotely, I'll be doing this job at all hours in between doing all these interviews. He's good. He, I told him you're just gonna have to accept that. I will get the job done, but not in the nine to five hours that that have been set i set new expectations with him oh yeah and if you weren't in such high favor do you think that's possible to navigate or not i don't think so i don't think i would have this much leverage unless i i had such high favor with him so yeah uh, but he's been really lenient with me since the beginning but only because i've always helped him with his business like i always spotted problems i said you can improve this and that i always gave him ideas um i was always fully honest with him. I, I told him like, no matter what, I won't lie to him. You know, I'm not gonna, I made a promise to him two years ago after I started my accounting firm that I was having as a side hustle, but I was planning on growing this so I could quit the job. I Two years ago even, I said, I'm growing this firm, you know? So I'm not gonna be here forever. Just wanted to let you know. I've been very honest with him and he said, he said, um, during that lunch we had when I had to sit him down, he said, the one thing that I really appreciate most from you is you you show all your cards. Mm. You know? you're, I know you're not trying to screw me over because so many people in business, they're nice to my face, but they've always screwed me over at the very end. Yeah, right? well, that I'm not that kind of person. I'm not. Character, Annie. Character. Character first. And I think it's... Um, and I think as much as... You got some amazing strategies here. I think that's really the, the fundamentals of it, right? If you if you focus on character and who you are and who you want to be in the world, then the strategic stuff is the uh, is the twenty percent. But really, who you are as a person is the is the eighty. So, look, Annie, I think that's um that's a great place to leave this conversation. It has been great fun talking to you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Um, I hope it's been super valuable for the people who've been listening. I certainly know I've been scribbling away on my side taking notes. Oh my God, you're such a great interviewer. I think honestly, out of all the 30 that I've done so far, you have great questions and they naturally lead to the next one. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of the plan, Annie. So I appreciate the feedback. But look, thank you so much for joining us. Let me hit uh, pause here and thank you. Uh, thanks for those who are listening.